Welcome to the podcast. This is a weekly podcast by Denver Transplants. I'm Matt. And I'm Andrew. And this is You Aren't From Here. Hey guys, hey guys. <sighs> Happy Tuesday. Hopefully a lot more people are crying like I am all Monday. I mean, it was miserable. Yeah. You know, everyone knew that this was going to, that's why you can't, you can't get too excited for about like, like, don't get me wrong. You know, I want you excited for the Chiefs. But you can't be overly excited because when, when if something bad happens, it's like everyone piles on. And so oh, I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm hoping there's no there's no comments on our next post about the Chiefs. I hope. I honestly, if you do, I'll, I will fight back. I've been in like the fight or flight mode, and I've been fighting. I'm in like a sixty person group me from my old fraternity. And I've literally just been brawling for the last like day and a half on just people ripping on Mahomes, and yeah. I mean it's exactly what they want me to be doing, um, and I'm just just taking the bait and going with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to get a rise out of your sweat. It's fine. Yeah. Just let it happen. It's dude. It'd be one thing if it was close. If we actually fought, like had a good game and lost in the end, it'd be a lot more devastating. But for yeah. me, it was like you know, it, it's fine. We have a young quarterback. We will be back. It's not like this is going to be the last chance we have in 10 years, you know? So it's like, yeah. it sucks. Unfortunate, not the way we wanted it to end, but congrats, Bucks. Like, yeah. I mean, we can all agree as long as it's not the Patriots, we would probably, you know, it could be worse. So, yeah, like, it was sad. I, I mean, I respect Tom, love Tom, but I didn't really want to see him win another one, especially yeah. at our demise. Uh, but moving on to happier things. Yeah. Uh, Denver, the mountains got absolutely dumped on this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Saw that. It's amazing. I mean, the, the, what, like 14 inches or something? 17 inches? No, dude, it's higher than that. Vale got hit with 20, with 29 inches the last seven days. They had 13 Ooh. on Friday and another 14 thing on Saturday. Um, and a new thing that I found that I thought was perfect for, for our podcast is there's an app called open snow and it's like, you can, it's a free app. And what they, the free, the difference in like the free and the premium is you basically like a five day forecast on the normal, but then the 10 day you get like a, that's for premium. You get 10 and you get like more reports and stuff, but for like the general ski goer that's predicting out like five days, just to see how good it is. It's a perfect app. And Guess how many inches Steamboat is getting between Tuesday and Saturday? Like this upcoming Saturday? Yeah, yeah. predicted between Tuesday and Saturday. How many inches over that five days? Based on your your reaction, like 35. 42. (laughs) Dang, dude. 42. And if you look at Steamboat's weather on Google, it literally is the snow icon on all five days. I mean, that – that's got to be like one of the largest like five day totals in years. Well, so what, like, what can you look at a basin for me? Cause I'm going to a basin this weekend. Well, a basin is getting 12 this week, but they're all kind of like every day is like one to two inches. Okay. Um, Crest of Butte. If you're making the track 22 Vale's getting 17 um, Keystone 11 Breck 11. So it looks like the ski season is actually going to be pretty good. Okay. Dang, dude. Well, I'm pumped. I'm going up there. That's cool. What's the app called again? It's called uh, Open Snow. Open, Open Snow. Right. I'm really good app. Uh, like, I've, I've, I've found really good success. It's, like, really good. Um, it's just a really simple interface, and you really get a good understanding of how much snow somewhere it's going to get. Well, and that's, that's huge because I, like – I mean, with COVID, like, planning is – you have to play so far in advance now. It's not like your typical ski season, right? Where it's like, usually you just decide that week, whether you're going or not, like icon Epic, you have to book months in advance. So like yeah. this year, I haven't even been skiing based on snow at all. Right. It's like, I'm going skiing this weekend at a basin and I made this reservation in November. Like, yeah. it's just like, it's just different, but that's still good to know. Like, that's good to know that there'll be some nice powder up there, but. I mean, that's, that's insane. So I'd hope that everybody listening is somehow going to steamboat one last thing that i think is really cool since we're on the ski topic red bull is doing an event called the natural selection tour um it's actually releasing the same morning that we release our podcast starts at 9 30 a.m and you can watch it on youtube so if you want like your third screen or second screen 
to be something um, to passively watch. It's basically backcountry snowboarding, but tricks. So it's like, it looks like kind of like art of flight, but people are doing tricks and they're getting rated on their tricks. So it's a little bit more similar to like, I think a common day skier that's just, or snowboarder that's really good versus like the X Games is like the gymnastics. So really recommend it. Day one was the last week. Day two is going to be on February 9th. Highly recommend it if you want to distract yourself during work. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, so that'll be, that'll be if you're, you're listening to this, that's today. So yeah, turn and it it's on. It's like on like all morning, predominantly through the afternoon. Highly recommend it. It's really, really cool. Cool. Look at you, man. Out with the, out with the fun facts randomly at the beginning of the episode. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a big, I did, you know, I had to make myself productive today instead of just sitting there and crying about the Chiefs. So this is what I found. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, and before we get into like episode two, I kind of want to, you know, I want to shout out to the legal Pete's. I mean, that last week's episode, if you're listening and you're not, you haven't been listening outside of, you know, just started last week because of the episode one, welcome. That was one of our, if not our favorite interview. And we got a ton of followers, at least on Instagram. And I know so you were pulling metrics on listeners. Yeah, listeners as were well. up. And, yeah, listeners were up. I mean, it seemed like a pretty big success. Uh, and, you know, I just wanted to, you know, wanted to just say that we were pumped, right? And they posted on their social media for us. I mean, it's, that's why we went into this, right? Was to not only explore Denver, but especially in COVID times, you know, you know, give a little free advertisement to the, to the little guys, like not that illegal Pete's, you know, is the mom and pop shop, but like, Hey, like we have some pride in our stores and, you know, it's cool to have that reciprocated back to us. And it was a really, really awesome week. So one wanted to say, you know, illegal Pete's, thank you. You guys are awesome. Hopefully they got some good publicity out of it. And uh, if you are new from that, that whole, you know, last week, social media flux, and, you know, this was your second episode ever listening Welcome. Um, hopefully we, we give you guys some good stuff outside of just, you know, illegal Pete's and, um, you know, hopefully you guys tune in week, week after week. And I think you'll, uh, hopefully enjoy yourself. So, yeah. so with that, well, with that, I would also I'd like to add that we're following it up this week with another very popular place. We're interviewing Paul Timberlo, the founder and owner of, um, little man ice cream. Mm-hmm. Concepts. Um, so that will be the interview today. Really exciting to hear kind of why he started Little Man. A little bit different than what you would think. So tune in. We'll get through our sections quickly and on to the interview. Yeah. And I hope you guys realize too, when you're listening, like if you like Illegal Pete's was on one of our what did you tries, right? And same with Little Man Ice Cream. So there's this is a you're you're see you're you should be seeing a trend with the things that we're doing on where did you go? What did you try? That usually leads to an interview. If we really love something and they get a high rating and we think a lot of people like it, we usually go for those. So be, be thinking of that. If you keep following us week after week, really, you know, find out if, is there a, what did we try or where did you go that you really liked yeah. one there? We might be planning on interviewing them anyways. If not slide to the DM, say we loved, that you interviewed little bit, you know, they tried little man ice cream. You guys should try that episode and we'll give it a shot, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the way that this has been going. So all that to say, yeah, pumped, pumped about the interview. You guys are going to love it. Yeah. So sweat, um, just to kind of kick the episode off now, we're, uh, what did we learn this week outside of your knowledge of apps and snow and snowboarding <laughs> stuff? Yeah. Um, it's another positive news, you know? Um, yeah. It's not something really that's revolutionary in the, in the what did we learn, but it was great news is um, COVID in Denver has gone from the orange level to yellow level, which was orange level was technically high risk. Yellow level is now concern. Um, this happened and it went into effect 9 a.m. on Saturday. So some people might have heard about it, um, especially if you're out on Saturday. It's a beautiful day with a lot of cold wind. Um but restaurants are now allowed to increase capacity by 25% indoors up to 50%. Huge. Um, and Matt, as we argued before, it's whatever's maximum or whatever's max of 50% or 50 people. Yeah. Whatever's greater. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then some restaurants do have up to 150 people, 
depending on the case. I think just kind of there's some different specifications for different places. The biggest one, I think, last call moved from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m., which is massive for all the local bars, local restaurants, um, really trying to get us back to normal and back to, you know, 2019, early 2020. I will say, so what I have to say that it, I'm going to have to relearn self-control after we <laughs> back with this. Cause I think I told you this, like the 10, p, 10 PM curfew, it's like, that sucks and it's not ideal, but that keeps me responsible because yeah. I've realized when I feel terrible the next day, it is a direct result of what happens between 10 PM and 2 AM. That's true. And so, and so when I go home at 10, I'm like, Oh, I got, I got 10 hours of sleep. I feel okay. So it's great news. I just had to chime in. I mean, I've been doing self-control because we're getting later and later. <laughs> no, completely. And I would also add a, a, another self-control thing. It does, it does make dates end early um, for the people out there dating. Uh, usually your date's like, okay, well, bars closes at 10. It's an easy out or like easy, like not last till midnight or stay up too late on a weekday. It's pretty nice. Kind of kicks you out. But continuing on. Gyms can now operate at 50% or 50 people and offices and retail business may operate at 50% capacity, though people still are encouraged to work from home. Predominantly, this came from the positivity rate in Denver for the average positivity rate decreased down to 3.9%, which is pretty incredible. And it was coupled with declining hospital rates. So Michael Hancock said he wanted to give us a preliminary pat on the back. Um, and make sure everybody's still continuing to do what they do and be safe, but give us a little bit of pat on the back and open up a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, interesting enough, you still can't have groups. You can't have more than 10 people from two different households. So Super Bowl parties, probably a lot of people broke the rules, but you know, going forward, try to remember that. Yeah, that's right. Be better. So exciting news though. I'm pumped. Yeah, dude. Well, we've talked about it. Like when we went from red to orange, right. A couple, you know, a month ago, it's like, regardless of your stance on, you know, is this too soon? Is it not soon enough? It's like, regardless, wherever you sit on this spectrum and what's ridiculous, it's become political, but regardless of whatever that is, progress is progress. Right. So if we're moving down the spectrum, that hopefully means less people are getting infected, less people are dying you know, our communities are becoming, you know, more solid. And like, it's just like that it's the little things, right? So regardless of the political spectrum, progress is progress. So, you know, I think everyone can agree and appreciate we're getting better. The, the, the curve is curving. <laughs> so, for sure. Uh, so yeah, so good. Okay. It's exciting. Hopefully I can't wait for our, what did you, uh, what'd you learn in, you know, seven or eight months when it's like, Hey, restrictions are masks are gone. Let's go yeah. lick doorknobs and run around. Yeah. Everybody just make out of bars. Everyone's all, everyone's so vaccinated and just running around crazy. It's going to be like a hell of a party. So, yeah. All right. Well, we can all dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, Matt, uh, continuing on, where do we go this week? Yeah, we went to, uh, was a yard house. View house, view house, view house. So I have to, I have to preface this mostly because we, we thought about this one because sweat went there this weekend. I have been, but it was a year or two ago. And it was obviously when I wasn't living here, it was, you know, summertime and I was visiting for some reason, but it, it, I mean, it's a really, really sweet spot. You could throw a rock and hit Coors Field, right? So it's like a really cool, really cool area, outdoor space. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that and just, you know, basically encourage people if they haven't gone, especially as it gets warmer, pretty awesome spot. Yeah, and I'd like to add that uh, Matt was supposed to be there on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Uh, he skipped out. Yeah, I had a couple beers, took a nap, and that was a dangerous combo. So it... Uh, yeah, so few house. There's a couple of them, actually. There's one down Centennial. There's one down Littleton. But the main one we're talking about is in Ballpark. Basically, it's a massive bar. Uh, it is two stories, three stories. Has an outdoor top, like rooftop patio. Has an outdoor like grass field that currently is enclosed by like a massive tent. 
Um, so it's pretty good for COVID and it's also pretty good for, you know, even in the winter, it's not a bad spot. Um, yeah. I would add that the crowd is typically pretty young. Um, they actually, we were talking to the bouncer cause some girl got her fake ID taken and he said that they do, I believe it was 20 fake IDs either a week or 20 fake IDs a night they take away. I think I'm really? only on average, I believe it was 20 a night because when we were there, he already had taken four and it was only about 9.30. So pretty young crowd on that. Yeah. You want to guess, Matt, what day of the week do you think they take the most fake IDs? The most fake IDs? Yeah. Hmm. Man, I, I know what my answer normally would be, but the fact that you're asking me with a smirk on your face, I know I'm not going to get it. Let's go with Thursdays. Tuesday night. Tuesday? Yeah, they said... Uh, people, so random? Yeah, they let their guard down and they like think that they're going to get in and that bouncers aren't going to care because, you know, if you think about it, it's actually a like pretty cool logical thought by a young 18-year-old that on a Tuesday, no bouncers really going to care. They're just going to go in and have dinner or drink. So supposedly Tuesday is their biggest night. Um, so if you're underage listening to this, I wouldn't try it on Tuesday. Right, right. Or maybe so, ever because they're pretty strict. Yeah. So so the, the thing about the view house that's really, I mean, like the outdoor space, right, is probably their like competitive advantage, right? So like we did in Proper City, they have an awesome outdoor space. View house is a lot different, right? So view house has like cornhole lined up. Uh, it's a lot more like, it's like a turf bottom and they have like areas for like, I think, you know, pre-COVID, it's like bottle service or you can go and like they have fires where you can go sit and like hang out with your friends. But a big open space with a ton of cornhole and stuff to do. So the way I would differentiate like and I'm, they're not really comparable, but like an improper city's outdoor patio is like fires and lounging and everyone's kind of hanging out at view house. No one's really sitting down outside unless there's like a, you're in a little few areas, but mostly people are up standing talking throwing cornhole like it's a much more like you're much more mobile like you're not really sitting in a spot and having a sign table right it's like you're inside you move outside throw some you know throw some bags some cornhole move around like it's just a different it's a different vibe different experience which you know i loved i love it it's great and you know, I, I love cornhole um, yeah but it's just i'd also add i'd also add that it's like a massive place for rockies games i mean if you look oh. up photos of view house on opening day it's i mean it's packed to the brim um right any day during rocky season i mean you're you're basically as matt said you're a stone throw away from the rocky stadium so really cool spot when it's summertime when the rockies are playing um it even looks like they do yoga sometimes out on like greenfield so a lot to do there kind of differentiates itself by being one an outdoor space but also being a rooftop bar and being directly across from coors field yeah dude. and they and i do yeah so i think that's that's a really cool spot I, one thing i am seeing and i'm gonna probably do this so i can't i can't confirm if they actually are doing happy hours because covid really screws with happy hours it's on their website i'm gonna assume they're doing it but don't shoot the messenger if they're not because of covid but when it goes down after covid they have a thing called wine and board which is really interesting. And it's only during happy hour, which is Monday through Friday, three to six. And you pay $20 and you get a whole bottle of wine and you get to choose between one of three flatbreads for 20 bucks. So you get, you know, I'm looking at their bottle choices. They have, you know, Chardonnay, Pinot Grigio, Pinot Noir, Merlot, Cab Sauv, Rosé, Sauvignon Blanc. Like they have all the big wine. Is it like varietals? I mean, no, it's Coppola. So it's like, wow. I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not, you're not drinking a hundred dollar, obviously. Yeah. Bottle. But Coppola, I mean, you, you buy Coppola Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, it's probably, <laughs> I don't know, maybe 10, 10, 12, 20, 10, 10 to 15 bucks. That's pretty but you good. get that with the flatbread and the fact that you're at a bar where they usually have like a two time markup. Like, yeah, I mean, shit, you're, they're probably if they're making money off that deal at View House, they're making like a dollar or two. So yeah. that, may that be, sounds like game over for me. Sounds like a freaking good time. I mean, yeah. for me, I, I, that that is definitely going to be wrong. Like if you're you're not going to have a Cabernet Sauvignon and like chug it. Right. So it's like a different. Exactly. Depends on the vibe. Right. But mm -hmm. if you're going for happy hour and you're like with a bunch of friends and 
or especially the girls out there that love, like if you want wine over beer or something, like you can get one bottle, you could have a couple of friends, you could do, you know, three friends, each get wine and board, get three bottles of wine, three flatbreads, everyone just splits 60 bucks for shit, probably what, six or eight people, like, yeah. it's like 10 bucks a person. I like it. I like it. So, um, so Matt, what would you rate it? Oh, man. Man, COVID, I, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna do it independent of COVID because I actually haven't been during COVID, so I don't know what to really say about View House with COVID stuff. I would say I honestly really liked it. Um, I'm going to go – I'm going to go probably like 7, 8 because wow. I – I, I really dude, And the thing is, is like, I obviously went in the summer. I went with a group of friends and I think the Rockies were playing. We didn't go to the game. So you have to take it with a grain of salt, right? Like we went during like the best time to go to view house. Like I would probably not view house would not be on my number one list of places on like a Thursday in the winter time. Like I would, yeah. there's, there's a couple other places that I'd probably rather go. But if you're going, if you're going and it's game day and it's warm outside and you're going to the game and you're going to get drinks there before the, the, the baseball game. I mean, dude, it's hard to beat. I mean, it's freaking, it's sweet. It's outside. You can hear the, the ballpark cause it's right there. I mean, really yeah. cool, really cool place. I don't know what my rating would be on a normal day, but the, the day that I went on game day on a, on a Rockies day in the summer, I mean, yeah, seven, eight for me. Yeah. No, I like that. Um, I think you go a little bit lower, probably go seven five. Um, I mean, it's really really cool place. I highly recommend you go. Um, I I would say actually it's like probably the most normal feel of a bar during COVID that I've been to, just because it's so big that they can put so many people in there. Yeah. So I mean, they're still following COVID regulations very strictly, and as everywhere is, but it definitely because there's just so many people because the place is so big, it does feel kind of normal, which is nice. I think the main reason why I discount a little bit is I do feel like I'm back and I'm like just graduated from college and I'm like 22, 23. Fair enough. And so I'm, you know, I had my days. I'm probably ready to get out of like the get shit face every single night of the week, yeah. weekend. Maybe so, just one night. One night yeah, week. just one night a week. Okay. So that's probably why I give it a seven five. It's just, it's got a lot of hype at night. Um, and during the day, I would say it's a lot better than what it is at night if you don't want to be around a lot of drunk young people. That's good to know. Yeah. Cause that's the thing. It's like, I mean, I probably, if I went, if I went on a non game day, I probably would be probably low sevens, high six maybe, but I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely like, know, know your, know what, like why you go there, right? Every exactly. bar, every place has their competitive advantage and what they're good at and what they know. View mm-hmm. house is it's right by the ballpark. It's, if it's a warm day, like that is when you go to View House. If it's sure. snowing and it's a Wednesday, probably go somewhere else. You know, so <laughs> unless like, you're unless you're over happy hour. Yeah, unless yeah, hell yeah, unless you want your bottle of wine and a flatbread for happy hour. I mean, that sounds freaking legit. So I, uh, yeah. yeah, if you guys are going, shoot me a DM. I'll join you for a <laughs> bottle of caps off. So yeah, so yeah, so um. On to the next topic. Uh, this week, the what did you try is going to be Little Man ice cream, as we already <clears throat> um, foreshadowed for the interview. Yeah. And then uh, beer of the week this week. I had a rough Sunday night, so I'm off and I'm on IR, which is really sad. But uh, Matt is doing the beer of the week. Yeah. It's about time. I'm usually the one on the IR. So I'm a, it's about time I stepped up on this one. So um, all right. So again, sticking with Colorado native, um, we're doing their West Slope IPA. Now, of course, with Sweat on the IR, I had to go with the IPA because he's not a big IPA guy. So I, I, had, to, I, had, to, I had to spare him on this one. But um, what the description on the can um, says, you could call this a Colorado style IPA if there ever was a thing. It's made with only Colorado grown hops from the Western Slope and sold only in Colorado. See, that's what I'm telling you. So I think, I think this is like, it's really only sold here. So 5.5% ABV, you know, I, I'm thinking it's probably your standard IPA, but we'll give it a, we'll give her a shot. Yeah. And I would like to add, people always said Western Slope in the first year that I lived here. And I never understood what they were talking about. And I just looked it up to fully understand the definition. 
and the western slope of Colorado refers to a region of the state of Colorado incorporating everything in the state west of the continental divide. So that the more you know. There you go. Heard it here first. Okay. Let's I've always been confused. Though. I've always been confused on it. And people are like, oh yeah, the western slope. I'm like, uh-huh, sure. What do you think? Hmm. You don't look very excited or dissatisfied. Can't tell. No, it's it's um it's definitely different. It wasn't what I was expecting, and I should have expected it. For me, love being loving IPAs. When you get an IPA that's 5.5%, it's going to be a lighter IPA. Your standard yeah. IPA typically falls within what, you know, six and a half to 8%. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's, you know, your, your big kind of standard, what you would come to expect from an IPA. Now, this one's five and a half. Um, I don't dislike it. It's definitely lighter than, than what I usually go for. Uh, Sweat, I think you'd actually like this one. <clears throat> Because wow, it is it is the equivalent of IPA light, right? It's like you're, you know, it's it is it's still got Juicy. the hops. It's still no, there's no juice in it. It's very it's a very standard typical. So it's it's hard to explain. So it is your IPA's lover IPA, okay, dumbed down about three notches. So okay. there's no, there's not a lot of fruit notes in there. There's not a lot of like masking. So it's not like the juicy for juicy, which is a standard high ABV IPA with fruit in it. This is like your IPAs lover IPA dumbed down on alcohol, hops, all that other stuff. So it's like, it's almost like if you poured a standard IPA three fourths of the way full and then followed it up with like a Coors Light for the last 25% and then blended nice. them. So it's like, it's just like, it's, it's not a bad one. The flavor is good. It's just lighter. Yeah. So you rate it. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go six, four. And okay. that's mostly just because again, like, it, you know, it, it, there you're, you're getting preferential ratings, right? It, it's, yeah. you know, I'm going to rate things that I, that are typically my style higher. So this mm-hmm. is, it's, it's weird and conflicting because the, like, you know, if this was higher ABV, this would be my style. Uh, it's just, it. it's just down, dumbed down a little bit. So six, five. What would you, what do you think I would rate it? Like six, seven? I think you'd give it a, Yeah. Honestly, yeah, you may you may give it low sevens. I I think I think he would like it, just because it is. I mean, it's it's definitely more pale ale and like, yeah. I could I could crush like probably you know, probably five or six of those and not feel awful because mm-hmm. it just it just you can just tell it's lighter. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I would, would say like this weekend when I was at our favorite one of our favorites Improper City. Shut up. I fully determined that I am a juicy IPA guy. That I actually like juicy IPAs. Which ones you have? Did you have the juicy freak? No, they didn't have the juicy freak, but I ordered some juicy IPA and it was good again. So I'm I've decided my realm is light beer and juicy IPAs. I'm proud of you, man. See, and would you have ever thought about that if we didn't have this podcast? No chance. Exactly. So see, see, we hope you guys learn something, but we're also selfishly learning a lot ourselves. So it's just, you know, the more, you know, yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's the rating. I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of consistent with, if we're being honest, the beer brewery is not blowing our socks off. Right. So it's like, you know, it's, it's not bad. If you, if you want to go bring craft beers, you're not going to spit it out, but you know, for this IPA and the amber and especially the Mexican lager, like we, we can find some other stuff out there. The problem is a lot of the other stuff that's better is really local. So you have to go actually to the brewery, whereas this stuff you can find basically anywhere. So in Colorado. So, so yeah, so that's, that's the rating. What did I say? Six, five, six, four, yep. six, five, six, five. Six, five. Um, and I'll be a, I'll be a 6.7 or low seven. Yeah. You'll be a, yeah. Proxy six, seven. So yeah. Well, that's our segments, guys. Uh, yeah. Sit back, relax, get excited, listen to Paul Timberillo of Little Man Ice Cream. Mm-hmm. Comment in the DMs if you have any questions or additional things you'd like to ask us. Um, we might be having him again for a different topic later in the future. Yeah, and I do want to say when I went on Friday, I had the buttermilk cupcake. I think it was what it was called. Jesus. Money. Money, 
money. It was like, it's essentially like cake batter, but they had like actual pieces of like vanilla and chocolate, like cake in the ice cream. Mm-hmm. Unreal. So all that to say, the episode is great to listen to. It's even better to listen to with a cup of Little Man ice cream. So, um, and if you want some at 10 a.m. and they're open, we're not judging. So, yep. you know, get, get you some while you listen and then you can you can taste along uh, with the episode. All right, guys. Thank you. All right. Love you guys. All right, everyone. Well, we have Paul Tamborello here with Little Man Ice Cream. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. A pleasure to be here. All right, Paul. Well, um, just to kind of get us kicked off here, can you just tell us and our audience a little bit about yourself, your background, and then how you kind of started up Little Man Ice Cream? Um, again, guys, thank you so much for uh, having me. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, Denver native, grew up here in uh, the Denver metro area, born and raised. Uh, just love Denver is my heart. And uh, really, as you know, it's funny that I become known as an ice cream guy because really I'm a real estate guy and uh, have done real estate for many years and done development, which is how I got into Little Man. But so over the years, we um, one of the projects that I worked on and developed was where Little Man is. So that project where Linger and Lola and Dime Store Deli Bar, all those restaurants are, yep. Yep. that was a development that we did. And we had that space in between those two buildings. And at the time, my business partner and I looked at, you know, should we do a little office building there? What could we do? And, you know, we just ran the numbers on it. It didn't look that great. So we decided, uh, you know, to kind of maybe just keep it as a communal area. And uh, I just sort of always had wanted to do ice cream. Ice cream has been a big part of my family since I was young. Uh, you know, when we were kids, we used to get together as a family every once in a while and make ice cream. And then I had some buddies that we used to get together and do like, you know, ice cream flavor competitions. And, um, but so yeah, ice cream's always been kind of a, a thing for me. And I thought, what if we did a really cool sort of ice cream store at the time, kind of the whole North side of Denver here didn't really have any ice cream. There might've been a couple that I didn't really know about or were small, but so I thought, let's do it. And I really wanted to create something that had a kind of a roadside vernacular to it in terms of its architecture. And uh, I had some friends who turned me on to a book called California Crazy, and it, and it chronicled all these old roadside attractions um, all you know throughout the country and found one that was a milk can and was just really inspired to do something similar to it. So um, we, you know, we ran with it and thought, what a great sort of, uh, you know, like every older sort of uh you know spanish town or mexican town has like a central plaza and highland had no you know plaza and we like to consider it you know our you know our plaza and so um yeah it's really just become that and then from there it literally just has blown up and snowballed into what it is today seven locations and you know we're we're growing we have like in the summer we'll employ probably over 200 employees this year um, and it's uh, just kind of become this, you know, started as a hot, become a job. <laughs> we'll go more into like the ice cream and the business, but I'm just curious. I mean, you mentioned the big milk jug. I'm just curious on <laughs> what was the process of building that? Was it just like you brought in a big milk jug or did you have to build like the entire structure? And was, was that difficult or was that like a pretty easy process? Um, no, it, it was difficult. It was, uh, you know, there was no sort of prototype for it. Um, so that was kind of our, you know, ground up, if you will, <laughs> endeavor. And when I, I remember when I first took it to our ice cream consultant, there's actually a guy who consults on ice cream stores all over the country. And oddly, he was based out of Arvada, Colorado here and was just a great guy. I remember when I first took it to him, he's like, are you crazy? Like, I don't know what you're thinking here. But he was, uh, he ran with us. And then when I remember when I took it into the city, same thing. They were like, you're building what? What are you doing? So um, no, it was a, it was kind of an odd structure to build. I remember when we were building it, people were like, what are you doing? Like some people thought it was going to be a giant beer can and we were going to sell beer and make a big beer garden. Some people thought it was, 
you know, we told people it was a water containment system. We didn't, you know, we kind of didn't let the cat out of the bag, but it was a, a pretty involved process. I, uh, I should see if I can try to find some of the older photos of while it was under construction and send them to you. You can maybe overlay them. Yeah. 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 Yes, was, that'd be great. Uh, that was quite a process and uh, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and Paul, I'm always curious because um, I like asking this question just because I, I'm assuming most people know what little man ice cream is. It's an ice cream shop, but how would you yourself as kind of the founder and inventor of this kind of idea, how would you describe little man ice cream to someone that's maybe never been outside of it's an ice cream shop. And then what makes, you know, as part of that, really the curious piece is what makes little man ice cream different from any other ice cream place in the city? Ah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I hope that it's an experiential experience for people that, um, you know, we really try to appeal to all five senses. And we also have what we call the six senses of little man. And, and that, you know, that sixth piece is about who we are and our, our customer service and our hospitality and what we try to do there uh, with our, all of our staff. And, um, you know, we, we have the smells because we're making fresh waffle cones there. We have obviously the taste, the ice cream, the touch, you know, the, the actual, it's a metal can, just like a real milk can is, it's made out of steel. <clears throat> we had lots of people who tried to talk us into doing it out of fiberglass and it's just not who we are. You know, our, we have a giant churn, you know, an old ice cream churn. We built one of those up in Fort Collins and it's made out of wood slats, which were quite crazy to bring in, if you can believe it or not. But it's, you know, they're real wood. So, you know, and then, of course, the, the you know, just the experience of the line. I have so many people tell me that half of what they love about Little Man is literally waiting in line because there's just so much going on. There's so many different people. There's, um, you know, just a lot of... Uh, activity and um so yeah it's 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 all that and I, and I like to think our scoop for scoop program is part of what sets us apart as well but uh, you know i know there's a lot of good ice cream stores in denver that do great work as well yeah and yeah no i never really thought about that with the line scenario but i would say that every time i'm in the line i have had a good experience i mean everybody's pretty excited to get ice cream so <laughs> you're usually in a upbeat crowd <laughs> Well, it's such a cool way to describe it too, Paul. Like when you said like it's a it's a European plaza feel because like that that's mm -hmm. one of my favorite things about going to Europe and going overseas is the fact that when you go and eat out a restaurant, it's not, you're not on a busy road with cars passing by. You're in a plaza with people are just mingling. People are on their right. first date across the, the street. People are walking their dog. And it's like, it really does make things that seemingly are mundane, like waiting in line. It makes it a more personable experience. Um, and I've never actually really heard anyone say that analogy, but I know exactly what you mean when you say it's like that European plaza feel. So I think that's a really cool way of describing um, that area. Yeah. I mean, we host over 200 events a year on that plaza. We do swing dancing. We do urban poetry. We do live music. We do bluegrass. We do, you know, square dancing. We do I mean, you just, we, I can't even begin to tell you. We do bingo, we do movie nights, we do sleepovers for kids. We do, I mean, we've done so many incredible activities. And we have a, you know, I think we're maybe one of the only ice cream stores that I know of that has a full-time person who does nothing but community development on the payroll to help all of our locations really become a destination for the community, not just an ice cream, another ice cream store in the community. Um, yeah. And I guess, would you say, how important would you say that your first shop opening, like, you know, in the heart of the Highlands, it was like the Highlands was just kind of like getting started. Um, like how important was that first store to your, I guess, success with Little Man? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say that location certainly was the magic for our first location, right? It's, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's the bicycle and pedestrian corridor to go into downtown from Northwest Denver. So we get lots of foot traffic. It, it's kind of pocketed between these two beautiful older buildings. We have the park right across the street. So that's a really nice neighborhood amenity. We have lots of families who will come over and get ice cream and go to the park and chill out. Um, you know, the plaza is big enough to where if you want to out on the plaza and almost every night been going on 
Uh, we have magicians who and we have uh, you know, just all kinds of crazies. Um, I, I do think it was a it was a it was a serendipitous um, you know choice on our part to do it there, and we were really fortunate. I think that we did our first location there. All right, perfect. Well, and and Paul, I I want to um, I want to take a step back at a high level and kind of at the beginning of Little Man Ice Cream. I was reading on your website that uh, your father Peter was kind of your inspiration or that your, your, your father had a lot of, uh, your relationship with him had a lot of kind of how you guys want, like how you had a lot of saying how you set up little man in the sense that you were very community focused and you wanted to really give back. So can you tell us a little bit more, not to get too personal, but like a little bit about your relationship with your father and how that relationship kind of formed, um, what little man ice cream kind of is today. Yeah, sure. I would say it's both my mother and my father. I had really great parents and they were the kind of people that if, um, you know, if you ever needed something or if you were in need, they were there for you and they would give you the shirt off their back. Um, they were always trying to find ways to not just help people in need, but to try to identify the need, right? That's one thing yeah. to sort of, you know, wait for somebody to ask for help. It's another to recognize that they need help and be present. And that's who my parents were. Um, this, the, you know, the, the can was uh, named after my father because we really loved the name. When my sisters, you know, when we were all young, my sisters used to tease my dad and they used to call him little man. And uh, so my dad was, you know, he was his, my grandfather was from Sicily, Palermo, Sicily. And, um, you know, my father was like this kind of a stout, strong, uh, but he was only about maybe five, seven, five, eight Italian man. And uh, my sisters used to tease him and call him little man. And it just really actually over the years became a, a term of endearment. And, you know, he grew to love it. And, yeah. and so it was just a really fun thing. Um, and that's why we decided to call it little man. And uh, but, you know, the idea of the law of circulation and really um, creating, you know, this this commitment in our scoop for scoop program uh, was really just something, you know, my mother always used to say that um, the, you know, volunteerism or philanthropy is the price you pay for being human, right? That that's just part of what you do every day. And it really should be baked into and integrated into your business, you know, goals and philosophy from day one. It should be part of doing business, not an add-on or not as a marketing piece, but that is just who you are. And I hope that's what we've been able to achieve with Little Man. So yeah, Paul, um, you mentioned a little bit about the Scoop for Scoop. Um, for people that don't fully know about it, can you go into detail, you know, what kind of inspired you to do Scoop for Scoop and what exactly it is and the whole sure. concept behind it? Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, Scoop for Scoop is a, a program that we started, you know, that we designed into our program from day one. Um, and it really is, you know, that we're committing to Basically, it started as a scoop of rice, a three ounce scoop of rice, but we just said, let's just do five cents per scoop. And so it's a, you know, it's five cents per scoop goes into a fund. And then every uh, quarter we meet as a group uh, with employees. We have uh, some clients, like uh, clients, I call them clients, but just people who come get ice cream that are big fans of ours that we've invited to join our group. So we have customers, we have scoopers we have management and we all gather and we look through the whole list of call it our community impact committee and we sit and talk about you know where we want to spend our resources every one of our locations has a different um, focus so for instance little man is all about nutrition and hunger and like sweet cooies is all about women's empowerment um, you know constellation is all stem focused you know, uh, Dang is all about equity and justice. And then Churn is, it's all about uh, agriculture. Um, and then our factory, we, we just kind of let those resources just go to everybody else. We didn't pick a specific theme for that. So, but you know, it's, uh, it's sort of that law of circulation. It's something my parents, you know, instilled in me from a very young age. And uh, we just feel like it should, it's just part of doing business. And from a, you know, from a customer's perspective, if they were like, you know, if we're really moved by one of the, the missions at one of your stores, how would you recommend like a customer reach out if they want to be involved in some of those committees? 
oh gosh, just send a, an email to info at littlemanicecream.com. And, you know, as we have availability, we would love to have more customer input, right? Uh, our whole model is our motto is that, you know, giving has never tasted so good. <laughs> so, uh, okay. you know, it's uh, it's a cool thing. We have a couple of customers that come every quarter to a meeting and actually we we've been doing a monthly and then during COVID we slowed down to quarters and I think we're going back to monthly, but yeah, we get lots of requests and we really try to, um, you know, you can't meet every request, right? I mean, we literally get, I can't even tell you how many requests we get, but um, you know, we try to make sure it, it's mission aligned and, or, you know, if you're at the meeting, you can kind of lobby if it's something that you really like um, or, you know, have some connection to. And uh, then we also really uh, encourage our employees to, if they have organizations that they know of and they care about and they're interested in, uh, to bring them to the table as well. So we're all about it. But we have, we've done, we have food programs that we sponsor in Uganda. We have food programs that we sponsor through schools in Guatemala. We have, I mean, we've done stuff all over the world and then in deep heavily in our own community, you know, meaning Denver, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're really, I mean, we've done, you know, uh, programs to help formerly incarcerated women coming out of jail through cooies all about, you know, trying to set them up as best they possibly can. We've done, I can't even tell you the number of things we've done. It's been, yeah. Too many to count. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> I'm curious. So stepping back, going back more into the ice cream. Um, one question that I hadn't thought of till now is, how many? Do you have any idea how many scoops of ice cream you sell in one day? <laughs> in one day, well, it's seasonal, right? So if it's winter, okay. not nearly as many. Yeah, as yeah. Do. On, a, on a on a like best day ever, how many scoops do you think you sold? Oh man, you know, my operations guys would be a much better uh, <laughs> group to ask than me. Okay. Um, you know, let me, uh, let me see here. I could maybe try to do some basic math and see if I could get a, you know, kind of like, uh, let me think here if we're at, you know, I mean, you think it's like 3000, I guess there's no, we'll do more than that. You know, more than that. I, I no, I'm just throwing out numbers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Across all the brands, you know, we could be as much as 25,000 a day. Wow. That's incredible. Okay. And then, um, well, no, no, no. That's not right. That's not right. <laughs> well, it, like in a month. In a month. Okay. Well, no, that's not right either. I, that, that would be a far better question for them. A lot. Okay. <laughs> a lot. Like, like, <laughs> and, you know, in like June, July, and August, it's a lot. But, yeah. but I mean, literally, like literally, you know, you can see the ramp up, it starts to ramp up and then June happens. And then, you know, we go crazy through the summer and then you can literally see when school starts that the numbers just, you know, and by, <laughs> and by mid September, it's, you know, we're, we're not even half. It's more like a quarter of what we do. That's crazy. It's like a bell curve. Yeah. It's definitely a bell curve. And so do you guys, I know I've been, multiple times and obviously the the flavors change how often do you guys change those and then i have another question on top of that is what's the weirdest flavor you guys have sold <laughs> well um we change we we have probably four flavors that are kind of our staple flavors of uh -huh. ice cream we have probably three that are kind of vegan and or sorbets that we do that are standard. And then, you know, then the rest of the flavors kind of, we just rotate through. So, you know, I mean, we have probably in our recipe book over 300 different flavors that we can make uh, that we've made over the years. But I would say we've gleaned most of that down to about a hundred different flavors that we rotate in seasonally throughout the year. And again, we keep probably about 15 that are like just always have no matter what right yeah and then the weirdest flavor the weirdest flavor um <laughs> oh man we've done some crazy stuff over the years or just um, a few of them <laughs> and i just 
let's think here. Well, you know, our most popular flavor is salted Oreo. Mm-hmm. And oh, salted Oreo, while it, it started as sort of like an intention to do, you know, kind of a salted flavor, it was sort of a mistake, the recipe. And we thought, well, let's just see if people like it. It was so salty. And literally people went insane over it. And and then we cut back the salt because we still thought it was too salty. And then people stopped buying it. They <laughs> It was like, really? You know, huh? Yeah. So, um, yeah. And when in doubt, add more salt. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. I know. Oh my gosh. We've done, um, we've done ice cream with, uh, pop rocks in it. We've done ice cream with, you know, beer. We make every year when the great American beer festival comes, we do, uh, we buy beer from various, you know, breweries around Denver and we make an ice cream with it and we do a collaboration with them. It's a lot of fun. It's a really cool program. Yeah. I mean, we've done, you know, ice cream with, uh, you know, like for um, some restaurants, we don't, we don't do a ice cream with them any longer, but we used to do some ice cream for sushi den um, oh, wow. and made a, like a, a, a bean paste ice cream. And we've done green tea <laughs> ice cream and matcha ice cream. We've done uh, certainly lots of spirit ice creams, you know, bourbon ice cream and all oh, yeah. kinds of stuff. We've done bacon bourbon ice cream with literally chunks of bacon in it. We've done, I mean, you know, it's, it's been, yeah, we've done a lot of different stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What, and Paul, I have to ask too, cause I, I never realized this and I learned this new from this interview. So you guys have seven locations. What was the mindset between or behind not sticking with little man ice cream brand for all locations rather than like, so you have seven locations, each with a different name. Yeah. Why go that route and not just have a bunch of Little Man ice creams? Yeah, and it's actually six, my bad. Six, okay. Um, so we, uh, we really thought about this. This was a big deal for us, right? Did we want to take that iconic structure of the can and replicate it? Because we get asked all the time to do it. Um, we've been asked California, Jersey Shore, Florida, you know, all through the Midwest, we, we get invited all the time to do it. And we had an opportunity to, I'm trying to make a long story short, we had an opportunity to do a location in Fort Collins and we pitched, you know, doing another can in Fort Collins. That's the direction we were going. And the town of Fort Collins, we thought, oh, this is a shoe in like, you know, old town, Fort Collins, like, you know, and uh, they, the committee said, nope, we don't want you. And we were like, what? Like we had a location, the developer had, we're all set. And they said, no, we don't, we don't allow chains in downtown Fort Collins. I said, I'm hardly a chain. We have one location, right? Like, right. how is that a chain? What? And they were just like, you know what? We, it's just not who we are as a town. It's, we don't want to, like even the McDonald's down the street had to change their colors. They had to change things about what they were doing to be in old town. Right now, if you're on the perimeter, you can, you know, a Fort Collins, it's, it's a free for all. But if you want to be in Old Town, Fort Collins, they do not allow any chains. And so we kind of went round and round with them. And, and then we, you know, we walked away from it. We thought, okay, we're, this is it. And then I read this book and the book is called Wonder. And it was all about the reopening of the Renwick Gallery in New York. And in there, there was a line that said, familiarity destroys wonder. And it really made me think that, and I don't know if you know who the author and poet uh, Wendell Berry is, but he said, he said he drove recently from one end of the United States to the other, and he didn't recognize a town along the way. And I thought, what, what does he mean by that? And what he meant is that, like, we have so many chains, right? We have, there's no, you know, everything is very familiar now, right? Every, you know, truck stop has a Papa John's, a a Subway, a Starbucks, uh, you know, it's all the same, right? And we just decided, you know what? That's not who we want to be. We also believe that communities really do care about their community 
they have a pride in their community ice cream stores. Really, yeah. people do, oh, yeah. right? You talk to people from Ohio and they're like graters, man. They are greater ice cream people. They will not eat anything but graters. They care about graters. They support, yeah. like, right? I mean, if you're from, you know, the Northwest, you're like, I'm salt and straw all the way. I'll only eat salt and straw. If I can't get salt and straw, I don't, you know, so yeah. that really matters to people. And uh, we just didn't want to replicate it. Plus, how special would the can be if there were 60 of them, right? Yeah, it's yeah, just right. kind of like, eh, it's just another freaking can, right? Oh, yeah, I know that place or whatever. So, yeah, that, that line, yeah. familiarity destroys wonder. We're really about trying to create experience for people and a sense of wonder in what we do. And, Paul, is your, is your recipe that, like, the, the ice cream the same at all locations and, like, is, is it different and does each store kind of have its own personality? It sounds like that's the case, but. Uh, well, no, we have unique flavors for each location. We have the, our, you know, kind of like our six or eight that, you know, we just know, like everybody wants a vanilla, everybody right. wants to try strawberry, everybody wants a chocolate, right? Yep. You know, you can't like, you know, you'd be yeah. shooting yourself in the foot to just like blow those right. flavors off. Right. But every location has unique flavors that you can only get at that location. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, and we try to tailor them a, a little bit to the location. So, you know, we have, uh, you know, like flavors that are, you know, like bananas foster, which is sort of an old dessert where they would make it table side. And yeah. Sweet Cooey's is named after my mother. My mom's nickname was Cooey. And we, um, you know, she loves banana. She loved Banana Foster and she loved old timey dessert. She grew up in Chicago. And so it was like, you know, we have all these flavors that we cater to just Cooey's. You can't get them anywhere else. Occasionally we'll feature, you know, a few of them in other places, but it's pretty rare. Got it. Got I like it. that. Makes everything different. Um, yeah. As you said, I mean, that's, I like that you guys put so much effort and like thought process through making everything different and actually like making them different than saying that they're all different, but not really being different. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. just to finish it all off, last question we always like to kind of ask, you know, if you had a crystal ball, which obviously COVID-19 has not been a crystal ball, but expecting it to slowly go away um, or hopefully go away. Where do you see Little Man in five years, or at least like your entire like brand of all different places? You know, that's a really great question. I actually just hired a, a strategy consultant to help us do that exact thing. Yeah. Um, I took my whole team through a, a, a one day retreat talking about the five year plan. What's our five year plan? And it really started with what their individual five year plans are because, you know, uh, I have incredible people that work with me and I want to support them in whatever their plan is. Right. And little man will benefit whether they're with us or not just from, you know, their goodwill. And, um, but we are right in the middle of that. We have to decide, do we want to kind of take this thing to the next level and really grow it? Yeah. Or do we want to just stay and continue to kind of hone in and perfect what we're doing? And you know what, I'm kind of at the age where, if some of my ops team people want to really say, all right, man, we want to take this on. I'm all about supporting them to do that. If, if they're not, I'm totally about supporting not, we, we would never stay status quo, but I'm supporting, we got our six stores. Let's dial them in. Let's just do this really well. I don't, I have no, none of us have this like we have to grow and blow this thing up and we're going to, you know, make millions and, you know, it's not, that's just not who we are. It's not our, it's not our focus, right? It's really more about taking really good care of the young people that are in our care, right? Like we work with primarily high school students and young college students. And we take that really serious. Oftentimes we're a first job for most of these young people. And we really want to create a, you know, we, we actually say we're a leadership company that uses ice cream as our vehicle because that's really how we approach it, right? The, the two guys that I have and, and the two women that kind of are our ops team that make up our ops team are incredible and they care so much about the people that are in our care, right? And it shows every day. <laughs> so, uh, 
I don't know. We're we're kind of in the midst of that conversation right now. That's a that's a great question. <laughs> All right. Perfectly timed. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, perfect timed. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, Paul, thank you so much. Uh, it was super, super informative. Loved having you on the show. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity. All right, everyone. That's Paul Tamborello with Little Man Ice Cream. Wow.